News. Talk. Passion. The Rick Peterson Show. Hear Rick live. Weekdays, noon to 1 on CJAD 800. Coming up, we're going to talk to NASA about uh, it's a spectacular launch Friday. Maybe even saw it across the uh, northeast sky. 280 million more now to go to the moon again. Why? We'll talk to someone, well, one of the scientists uh, in charge of what's going on up there once it gets there. Uh, that's after the 1230 news. Let's begin with the free-for-all, as usual, shall we? And Tommy Schnurmacher, host of the Tommy Schnurmacher Show on CJAD, and Ethan Cox, Quebec Bureau Chief for Rabble.ca, and contributor to Canada.com, join me. And, of course, we'll look forward to your input as well. I want to begin with comments. Uh, we'll hear the whole interview tonight on PBS. Charlie Rose uh, sitting down with the uh, the head of well, the leader of Syria. Will there be attacks against American bases in the Middle East if there's an airstrike? You should expect everything. You should expect everything. Not, not necessarily through the government. It's not only the governments are not only not the only player in this region. You have different parties. You have different factions. You have different ideology. Uh, you have everything in this region now. So uh, you have to expect that. In retaliation, he's talking about President Barack Obama in the meantime is hitting the airwaves to try and convince Americans limited strikes against Syria are needed for the United States' long-term safety. Uh, They're on a full blitz here, uh, trying to convince the American public and Congress uh, to vote approval. And my question to Tommy and you and to Ethan as well, if Obama does not get congressional approval, should he act alone? Tommy. Well, first of all, no, he can't. He could have acted alone if he'd wanted to. There was no requirement for him to go to Congress. Now that he has, he says, well, I was just checking. Uh, I don't care what you say, I'm doing it anyway. That would make uh, no sense whatsoever. You brought up the issue of limited strikes. Uh, Two words, two problems. How do you make it limited and where exactly do you strike? And I think the reason there is so much reluctance by so many people to have anything to do with this is amazing because you see uh, children being gassed to death like that. Everyone's moved by that and they want to do something. But they also want to make sure they do not take a horrible situation and make it much worse. We've also seen what I have not, I can't recollect the last time it happened, uh, Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. agreeing on one thing. Uh, No, we don't want to go there. Left and right agreeing, left, right, libertarian, 70% of Americans. That's a lot of people on both the left and the right who say this is not a good idea for all kinds of different reasons. The main reason is you're really, you're, you look at your upside and the downside. The upside is that it would punish him. He'd stop using it. That's pretty slim. The downside, the risks are immense. Ethan. Well, you know, uh, I wonder if anybody remembers when Barack Obama won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, because it certainly seems uh, a far away in the rearview mirror at this point. Um, th- this whole mess is is ridiculous. I mean, we know uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt what's going to happen if the U.S. gets involved in Syria, because it's going to follow very much the same script as what happened in Iraq, what happened in Afghanistan, and that is that whatever the, the internal conflicts are, whatever the internal disagreements are, when the U.S. Army decides to get involved, people locally are going to unite against the, the imperialist invader, and, and, and that's reasonable, and that's understandable. Um, it's, it's a terrible idea. It's, it's going to kill a bunch of people, and it, you know, once again, I think 
think we're being sold a bill of goods. Um, we, we, the media really haven't sufficiently learned their lesson from what happened with Iraq, with Colin Powell, the extent to which they were willing to, to accept whatever the administration gave them in the lead up to the war. Um, you know, I think there's, there's been credible intelligence that's come out suggesting that chemical weapons were actually accidentally deployed by the rebels. Um, so there's, there's, there's open questions as to precisely what was done, and none of it uh, justifies the United States coming in as the global cop and, 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 and bombing another Middle Eastern country back to the Stone Age. I think we've established, um, as far as the United Nations is concerned in the world, that when chemical weapons are used, that the world does have to act. It surprises me to a point that America has suddenly found itself alone, say for France, in that. On the case of, of being able to prove uh, what has happened here, we haven't seen the proof. The media are reporting what they're being told to report, basically. They haven't seen it either. There's been closed-door sessions. And, of course, as you'll hear tonight when he speaks to Charlie Rose and we get the rest of the interview, uh, the leader of Syria feels that, uh, you know, that the, the Americans, in fact, are lying. That, again, if he's ki- killing children, he's probably going to want to lie about but, it. But whether he's telling the truth or whether he's not t- telling the truth. In other words, we don't know exactly who, who did it. We know that these, these children died as a result. Does al-Qaeda want the U.S. to intervene? And the answer to that is yes, Absolutely. First of all, they want to get rid of Bashar al-Assad. They want to take. They'd like to take power in. In they'd like to take power in Syria, and they'd also they can't wait to show the first photos of all the dead women and children that the imperialist Americans killed. They're not going to send a thank you card. Thank you, America, for coming to save the kids. Just like the U.S. didn't get thank you cards from Afghanistan or or from anywhere else. So it it it's going to be welcomed by Al Qaeda, and you have all kinds who, who of are affiliated with which side. They're they're anti-Assad, and they with the and rebels. they and they would like the U.S. Air Force to help them get rid of Assad. To suggest that they're going to become friends of the U.S. afterwards is, of course, a total uh, absurdity. And there's no guarantee that anything the U.S. does, whether it's Ethan said they're going to bomb them back into the Stone Age, even if they don't do anything of the kind, whether it's uh, they do that or do much less, it's it's we don't know if it's going to fix the problem. First thing you do is do no harm. Don't take a bad situation and make it worse. Absolutely. And 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 I find this whole debate so depressing because it's really one of the most concrete examples of the old saying that those who, who fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat them. Um, because we've been down this road, we've seen, we have, you know, it's not really a matter for speculation. We know what's going to happen because it's going to be the same thing with some minor variations as what happened in Iraq. And we're headed now back down the exact same rabbit hole with the quote-unquote anti-war president, with the quote-unquote anti-war Democratic Party, once again, banging the drums of war, and once again, the U.S. media totally abdicating any responsibility whatsoever to to question or to interrogate the validity of what the administration is giving them. Well, I think, I think actually, no, I, disagree I disagree with that, with that and yeah, I think yeah, there'll be an example yeah. of that tonight when Charlie Rose actually talks to the other side, and, and we'll see and hear that interview tonight at 9 o'clock. Oh, it's not only that. The media have been asking, international media, American media and international media, one of the, I think it was a Swedish reporter who said, uh, tell us about the dilemma of being a Nobel Peace Prize winner who's about 
about to attack Syria. So they've been there's an in every on CNN absolutely everywhere you see them questioning the evidence of uh, of these chemical weapons and even the people say yes we believe well, I it haven't seen yes that. he did it yeah, yeah the the, que- the, quest- the questioning of the validity that Assad used chemical weapons I've seen reported on every outlet that he did use chemical weapons without any questioning that it might no not have been I, I've seen questioning I've seen them saying that it came from the rebels uh, what I've also seen in some of the nuttier leftist uh, publication of course the the nation in, in this case is uh, blaming it on, since they can't blame it on Obama right they can't call Obama the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, a warmonger, so they're blaming it on Israel. And there's also an argument coming from the right in the U.S. Uh, where it's just basically contrary, and Obama wants this, so they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of lame politics too, isn't it? Well, I think it is lame politics, but there was one person, from a Democrat from Congress, whose mother called him uh, for the first time about a political issue, right? He's been in Congress more than 10 years, and, and she's called him specifically, vote no on this, uh, a Democrat. And I don't think it's Republicans. They don't like Obama. There's no question right. about that. And they're usually gung-ho about that, but they... They have learned the lesson of history, that it costs a lot of money. You accomplish nothing. Uh, you don't make America safer. And what Assad said, that the retaliation can come from all over the place. Don't think the retaliation can come from just one from from Syria. Uh, you don't know what it could be. And I don't understand how anyone has made the remotest, tiniest case for, you know what, we really have to do this. And if we do it, it's really going to improve the situation. And and what's interesting as well is to look at the Republican Party, there's two very distinct factions. There's sort of the empire-building project for a new American century, Karl Rove side. But then after Iraq, there was also a significant pushback within the Republican Party, which is the Ron Paul, Rand Paul, libertarian, no-to-all foreign intervention side. And so it's interesting to see that debate play out within the Republicans. All right, we're going to play out uh, Should Children Be Exposed to Religious Symbols as we continue in our free-for-all discussion with Ethan Cox, Tommy Schnurmacher, and you. Reaction to a first part of our free-for-all discussion on Syria and whether or not the president should act alone if he doesn't get congressional approval approval rather in the states. Uh, we do not need to go clean anyone else's garbage, says Carl in his text. This war-torn region will remain as it has always been. It is sad, but not our concern. Let's clean up our own garbage and let everyone else clean their own. Our broken economy will not fix itself, nor will another war. And another text, over 100,000 have been killed in Syria in the past two years, and only now, because 2,000 were killed by chemical attacks, the U.S. wants to attack. Uh, you can stop You can stop killing with more killing. Afghanistan, Libya, Iraq, and now Syria. Sudan, Somalia, and Iran are next. And wasn't al-Qaeda enemy number one a few years ago, and now they're being helped by the USA. The whole thing stinks. And thanks for your text. 514-800, if you'd like to uh, voice your opinion, 514-790-0991, star 8255. Tommy Schnurmacher here on the Free For All uh, panel today. And Ethan Cox, Quebec Bureau Chief for Rabble.ca and contributor to Canada.com. So we'll probably see this. We should see tomorrow, finally, uh, what this uh, Charter of Quebec Values looks like. Uh, And, of course, the much-anticipated charter will be tabled in the National Assembly likely tomorrow, and already it appears that uh, it's being somewhat watered down. Uh, This morning's Globe and Mail reporting the government will phase in restrictors, uh, restrictions rather, for workers in hospitals, municipalities, and post-secondary institutions over a five-year period. But primary and secondary school teachers and daycare workers will not be exempt because children should not be exposed to religious symbols. Uh, Do you agree with that, Ethan? 
well, I think this whole thing's preposterous. Um, but I'm an Anglo, and so you know, it's one thing for us to sit here on CJD and say this, and it, you know, there's certainly there's certainly a, a lack of surprise there. But what I have been really pleased to see in this debate is to see, you know, what I considered all all of the the opinion leaders on 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 the intellectual height of Quebec society. You know, people like Yannick Marcel, Gabriel Nadeau Dubois, um, you know, and on and on and on. Um, most of the people who are who are opinion leaders, who are writers, who are thinkers in Quebec society, Simone de Comble, Pepin, Eric Martin, coming out and really forcefully opposing and bashing this and saying, this is not our values. This is not, you know, a lot of sovereigntists as well coming out and saying, this is not the kind of Quebec we want to build. And again, it comes down to, to a very simple thing. It's not even the PQ's fault. They're going where the votes are. Why are the votes there? Because of Quebec or because the media that most Fine, people in Quebec Fine, but should are... children be exposed to religious symbols? Because as they Absolutely. offer this up a Absolutely. bit at a time. Absolutely. Why not? Why, why not? All right. First of all, I think part of what Ethan says is, is correct in terms of a lot of people are saying this is horrible, including, for instance, a former Bloc Québécois MP, Monsieur Gravel, who called it dictatorial, mm. right? So he's very pro-sovereignty and pro-PQ, but he sees this as disgusting. Now, this notion, in addition, usually a lot of what the PQ does, it, it you can always look at it in two ways. One, how horrible it is, but there's always unbelievable potential for humor because also how ridiculous it is We, when we think back about Pastigate. In terms of ridiculous, they're saying that young people shouldn't be exposed to religious symbols. So this is how they've thought this through. So the daycare teacher with a hijab... Uh-uh, no, you can't wear that hijab because these little kids will know it's a religious symbol, so you can't wear it. Her husband, who's got a big beard, right? And he go, he can teach at the daycare center because there's no prohibition against that. So right. how will they, the little same little kids who would have said, why are you wearing a hijab? And she would have explained, for whatever reason, for modesty. When they ask him, if he says, well, I have a beard like this because I'm observant Muslim, is he going to be censored for saying that? Are, the, are you going to have hijab police in the daycare center, uh, keep up police? It's an absurdity. And it causes damage, serious damage to the province around the world. So far, the reaction is just coming in from here and the rest of Canada. It's a matter of time because uh, before there's international reaction, which will come because they want to stretch this out over days and weeks and months and and avoid talking about what matters and what i find particularly odious is that you know it's it's fairly clear to all of us that Christian religious symbols are much less ostentatious, if you want to put it that way. That you can be a practicing Catholic, you can have a cross around your neck that's under your shirt that nobody's ever going to see, and that's the extent of the demands that your religion places on you to be observant. Whereas uh, Sikhs, Jews, Muslims have much more visible uh, demonstrations of their religion, or can. And so it's it's really it's 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 just pushing the limits the, of, of what you can get away with. But the whole argument that that parents, you know, that's should be left parents can discuss this with their children if, if a child comes home with a question yeah i mean what's wrong with that and they're going to see people of other religions on the street they're going to see like i mean you know it better that children be well educated and and understand that there are other religions there are other belief systems and also there's going to be the issue of the child what if a child had a teacher with a hijab who's not allowed to wear her hijab anymore when the child's picked up by his mother who has a hijab well how is she going to explain that's the parent to explain mm-hmm. to the child well there's something wrong with the hijab that's why we're not allowed to wear it there and right. talk about again the absurdity they're going to discuss this anti-hijab anti-kippah 
anti-turban legislation in a building with a huge crucifix up while they're discussing it. But that, much to the shock, I'm sure, of His Holiness the Pope, is not a religious symbol. Uh, it's just... <laughs> it's culture, it, it, Yeah, that, that's strictly cultural. Uh, I want to move on because... Because of time, I've got to pick uh, of, of the other things that I wanted to talk about. I think I have to talk about uh, the Club Med. Uh, when members of the Quebec uh, Psychiatric Association attended one of their conferences, or will next March, uh, the taxpayer is going to pick up a portion, a good portion of the bill. Apparently, this is common practice. Uh, the uh, the psychiatrists have to take uh, these uh, courses to stay current. And, uh, and, and apparently, it just has to be at Club Med, which I find absolutely appalling. Uh, what do you think, Ethan? Well, I, I'm a little torn on this. Uh, we, we, we're very quick to jump on these type of things. But if you look at the private sector, um, in a comparable private sector environment, this type of skills training would very often take place in a place like Club Med and would be partially paid for by the the, the employer. So I, I don't think it's wildly outrageous. I think you've got a situation where they're going and there's some minimal subsidy, not for their travel, not for other expenses, but some minimal subsidy for their training, which they get whether that training happens here or at Club Med. And then they can pay themselves to take their family with them and combine the two activities. I, you know, they're going to get that stipend from the Quebec government if the training happens right here in Montreal. So the taxpayers paying the same for people to com combine this so that they can, you know, have a vacation with their family. I'm not going to jump up and down about it. Well, I won't jump up and down. I'll jump sideways uh, in terms of if it's if it's if it's has to do with the employer, right? If an employer wants to send his employers his, his employees to uh, Club Med, I think that's a fantastic idea, and he's the one who's uh, paying for it. Right. In, in uh, this case, when when the employer is us, uh, we are the employers, uh, the taxpayer, and is there a way? They're saying that we've got to tighten our belts and we've got to be very very careful. They've told the hospital to cut fifty million dollars, right. uh, but it's not going to impact on patient services. Everybody has to uh, cut back. Uh, so I think in this case, one of the cutbacks is that you can make is not have not have it over there. And if you want to go to Club Med, go in, enjoy Club Med and pay for it on your own dime. Sure, exactly. but uh, but I think it's good to come back to the facts here a little bit because basically what we're talking about is that any member of the association who attends a half-day training session can claim $400. And my understanding is that happens regardless of the location. So really, I think the question is, are we okay with compensating people for professional development? Because if you leave the Club Med and the, and the tropical destination out of it, what we're really talking about is, is it appropriate for the government to compensate people for professional development that improves their professional competencies? I don't have a big problem with that. Well, it's something they have to do. They right. can't not do it. Well, they're not, wait, they're not, pay, they're not paying for the airfare? They're not paying for the accommodation? We're paying for the airfare. Well, no, no, they're not. They're paying, they're paying, they're claiming $400 per three-hour or half-day training session which applies regardless of destination well, so, or anything well, else. Okay, so if, if, if it's $400, if it's Complex Desjardins, and $400 at Club Med, then it, then it's totally irrelevant. If they're picking up the tab for the hotel and the airfare, then it is They're problem. not, they're not. And it's, it's, it's you know, really, it's a question here. Excuse that these... me, read more of the facts and get back to me on that because we're paying for the airfare as well. But thank you both, gentlemen. Uh, Ethan Cox and, of course, Tommy Schnurmacher. And what do you have to say about our free-for-all discussion? Uh, I'll get to your text in just Carl texts, I need a vacation subsidized by the government under pain and stress beyond belief uh, disorder. <laughs> Thank you for your text, Carl. And the Marois government seems like uh, it's gone back in time to a history that we'd rather forget, uh, says another texter. And tomorrow, of course, we'll find out more 
about uh, what is exactly in the Quebec Charter of Values, and we'll be all over that here at CJAD. Lots of other texts flying in here as well. I promise to get caught up on most of them, as many as I can at least before the half hour is finished. And why we're going to the moon again. Millions and millions of dollars. We'll talk to someone about that. You're listening to the Rick Peterson Podcast. Hear the show live, weekdays, noon to 1, on CJAD 800. The advantages, the disadvantages of oil pipelines has Lac-Megantic bolstered support for pipelines, it seems so politically, and, uh, well, I think we would like to know more, right? And as we move ahead uh, this hour, I thought we'd have a conversation with Renaud Gignac, researcher for Quebec's Social Economic Research Institute, who've been looking into the advantages and the disadvantages, and they've come up with... Uh, with some interesting research. And Renaud, thank you very much for joining me. Hi. What is the position of your think tank on potential end bridge in this pipeline through Quebec? Um, actually, what we uh, conclude from a, um, a life cycle analysis of the different types of petroleum that we uh, actually consume at the moment in Quebec is that going forward with the Line 9B reversal project uh, uh, would uh, uh, bring uh, tar sands oil to Quebec, which would uh, still be uh, one of the most pollutant, uh, w- one of the types of oil that is that, that creates the most pollution, even when we consider uh, transportation uh, pollution from um, uh, from uh, other sources of uh, of uh, from from other sources at the moment. You uh, you threw down some interesting statistics today. Oil transit through Quebec, 12 percent increase in the production of Alberta oil sands, and that meant greenhouse gas uh, emissions. Per year, the equivalent of two coal or six, what, 1,650,000 cars. How did you yes. come to that figure? Uh, actually, when you look at the, the situation in the production of tar sands at the moment, uh, we, uh, we see a clear bottleneck effect. Um, uh, the, there is too much production capacity right now for the capacity to uh, export the tar sands. Uh, therefore, if we go ahead with the Line 9B reversal project, uh, 300,000 barrels per day, uh, of oil sands uh, primarily will transit through Quebec, and that will lead to an, incre- uh, to an increase uh, by the same amount uh, in the production of oil sands in Alberta. Uh, we know that the tar sands uh, have uh, uh, significant uh, environmental and social impacts, and that's what we wanted to, uh, to investigate in this study. Well, as other groups like the Montreal Economic Institute uh, has pointed out as recently as last week, we need oil for all manner of products. How do you think the problem of transporting oil can be fixed in a cheap and safe manner? Sure. Um, the, the thing that we have to say uh, after the, the Lac-Mégantic tragedy, we are all looking for a, a, a safe way to transport oil at the moment, even though in the longer term, uh, the, 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 the climate change issue um, um, uh, uh, it imposes us to move out of petroleum. But right now, for the day-to-day consumption, um, uh, there, will no, there will not be less trains that transport oil if we go forward with the Line 9B proposal. So to oppose uh, the, the Line 9B reversal project with the train uh, is a false dilemma, actually. Uh, if we were to, um, to realize uh, 
all the the petroleum project, the the sorry, the the pipeline projects, there would still not be enough capacity to export all uh, what the tar sands industry is looking to export. Therefore, um, uh, whether or not the line nine B goes forward, the capacity uh, uh, with uh, the transportation capacity from trains will not be affected. Actually, it's increasing very significantly um, in the last few years. And uh, this is not going to be affected by the decision on Line 9B. Therefore, if Line 9B proposal uh, uh, has a significant environmental and social impacts uh, and a very marginal um, economic um, uh, impacts, um, for example, we, we're talking about 100 uh, long-term jobs here. So that's, that's not a, a, a very uh, structuring project uh, for employment and um, we conclude that uh, the environmental impacts are much uh, too important here in the context of uh, the fight against climate change and the new uh, energy strategy of Quebec. All right, so, and if I understood you, and and my question, too, is do do we need the oil for all manner of products, as the Montreal Economic Institute suggested? For sure, yes, we need oil at the moment. Uh, But uh, when we look at different uh, sources uh, for our oil, oil from the the oil sands are uh, one of the most uh, uh, problematic uh, pro- uh, products on Earth. Actually, actually. Uh, it it creates uh, 70, sorry, 67 percent more greenhouse gas emissions than our first source of uh, of petroleum uh, at the moment. So, if we're looking for the cleanest source of oil, the tar sands oil is definitely not the option. Thank you very much. Thank you. Renaud Gignac is a researcher with Quebec's Social Economic Research Institute. And their report today on the advantages and disadvantages of oil pipelines uh, through Quebec. CJAD time is 1241. Five, four, three, two, one, zero ignition and liftoff of the Avatar 5. NASA's newest robotic explorer rocketed into space late Friday in an unprecedented launch from Virginia that dazzled sky watchers along the East Coast. Perhaps you saw it Friday night. But the Laddie spacecraft quickly ran into some equipment trouble. While NASA assured everyone uh, early Saturday that the lunar probe was safe and on a perfect track for the moon, officials did acknowledge the problem needs to be resolved in the next two or three weeks. Uh, So we thought we'd talk to Sarah Noble, program scientist for the Laddie project at NASA, and she joins us now. Sarah, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. First of all, what's the problem, and, and is it fixed? So the the issue is with the reaction wheels, which turned on just as they were supposed to and did their job uh, to spin down the spacecraft and make sure it was stable. But they were running uh, higher; they were drawing more energy than than the spacecraft expected. And our software is designed so that anything is, does anything that's not expected, it will turn itself off just to be safe and then wait for instructions from us. So that's exactly what the reaction wheels did. They turned themselves off just to be safe and waited for instructions. We we had them turn back on. It looks like they. It turned on just fine, and they're working fine, but they are still drawing more power than we expected. So that's an issue we'll have to work out over the next few weeks. But we've got some time before we get to the moon. So looks like everything's going to be fine. All right. $280 million mission. Why are we going back to the moon? Well, who doesn't love the moon? The moon is an, is an awesome place to go. It's uh, you know, our, our nearest, uh, n- nearest neighbor out there in the solar system, and, and uh, this is a really great mission to help fill in some of the holes in our lunar knowledge. We've been studying the moon, you know, for some 50 years now, but um, just in the last few years, we've sent a number of missions there, the, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, which is still there, uh, making beautiful maps of the surface of the moon. 
And then last year we sent uh, the GRAIL mission to study the gravity and the interior structure of the moon. So the LADEE mission, which will be studying that the atmosphere and the dust environment around the moon, will sort of give us uh, allow us to sort of complete our picture of what's, what's going on at the moon. So, and part of this is, as we send humans now farther into space, it's not just about robots, but the stepping stone. Uh, and and I, I've been reading that if we venture off to Mars, laser communications, we're going to need to send high-definition 3D video. Why the need for 3D video on this kind of stuff? Well, you know, just like your own uh, Internet and things, right? Faster is always better. We want more data. As scientists, we certainly want more data. Um, and, and, you know, once you start including humans in the loop, the, the more data, the faster you can get that data back, uh, the, more, the, the more you can ensure the safety of the humans. And is Canada involved in this? Uh, in Canada, not, not, not in the LADEE mission, but Canada certainly has quite a, quite a presence in space. Um, they, you know, are, are very involved in a, in a number of robotic missions as well as, you know, the Canada arm on the space station and, and uh, in other ways. Canada has been a great partner for the U.S. in a lot of, a lot of our space missions, but not, not on LADEE. I have to ask the question, too. The launch came out of Virginia. Why not Cape Canaveral? Yeah, that's a great question. The, the launch vehicle we used for this mission was a Minotaur 5. It was actually the first launch of a Minotaur 5. Minotaurs are derived from, from peacekeeper missiles. And because of various treaties we have uh, regarding the use of, of peacekeepers, there are only three launch sites in the U.S. which we are allowed to launch peacekeepers from. Uh, one is, is Wallops. The other two are, I think, Kodiak in Alaska and Vandenberg Air Base. But because we had to launch east in order to get into the correct orbit to get to the moon, Wallops turned out to be the only viable option for us. But, but wasn't it spectacular? And, and, it, and it allowed a lot of the U.S., like all up and down the seaboard, to, to actually get to experience a launch, which was pretty incredible, I think, for, for most of us who got to see it. Well, good luck with it, and uh, hopefully you'll get that little problem figured out. And, Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you. Sarah Noble, program scientist with the Laddie Project, as they have launched uh, toward the moon and eventually on the moon uh, to gather more data now. $280 million mission. Noticed a lot of the leaves uh, already starting to change. Lots of orange and red uh, spurts here and there. Not overwhelming yet, but, uh, you know, it started cold in the evenings in the Adirondacks again this weekend. And, uh, you know, saw people walking around with winter coats on and hats and stuff, which I thought was silly. You know, maybe a sweatsuit with shorts pulled over just in case. <laughs> a fashion faux pas, I'm sure. But at the same time, I enjoy this time of year. When it gets cool and you can put a sweater on, I love it. And the fact that it looks like it's going to be a spectacular fall as far as the colors are concerned. I don't want to rush things, but I love it. A lot of red and orange that I'm seeing uh, peeps of so far as the leaves have begun to change. The geese have begun to depart. And I don't know where the hummingbirds went. It is uh, 1250, and we were talking about NASA throwing down $280 million to head off to the moon again with their robot and find out more than just pick up rocks as the humans did. And they've been going, you know, every now and then and orbiting the moon because it's a stepping stone to Mars and, you know, deeper into space. And one of the things that they're excited about is high-definition 3D video. As a communication device, they need more data. They need more. 3D when it comes to your video at home or maybe at the movies hasn't been such a great idea, at least not all that successful when it comes to the bottom line and making money with it, which is where 
Kevin O'Leary wants to go in his cold hard truth. And now, the cold hard truth with Kevin O'Leary, brought to you by O'Leary Mortgages. Visit O'LearyMortgages.com. Hi, Kevin O'Leary here. You know, one of the biggest disappointments in consumer electronics for all the companies that got involved was 3D. 3D televisions, sales are low. 3D movies haven't really taken off. 3D television stations and networks, they've been canceled. What happened here? It had so much promise. I thought it was dead and a huge, colossal investment waste until I saw a film at the Toronto Film Festival called Gravity. Now, this film is a story about the space station starring Sandra Bullock, and it's a remarkable tale about what happens in space, but it's the first time ever that I've seen a 3D movie that just blew my socks off. If you get a chance to see this movie, you have to see it, and I'll tell you why. Number one, the effects are stunning. This is incredible new technology that's never been shown before. Number two, the performances of George Clooney and Bullock are fantastic. They're the only two performers in the film. I rarely endorse movies like this, but it's the use of the technology in a storytelling way that takes you into a new place. You're in space, you're there, you're part of the story, and it's mind-blowing. I predict this film is going to make a ton of money and be a monster hit. It took four years to make and had to develop its own technology just to bring you what you're about to see. Go and see Gravity. Look, it's absolutely fantastic and it keeps alive a very large investment in 3D technology. You know, in the end, it's great entertainment, but it's still about the money. That's the cold hard truth. Till next time, Kevin O'Leary. The cold hard Hard. truth with Kevin O'Leary. Brought to you by O'Leary Mortgages. Visit O'LearyMortgages.com. And by the way, you can get caught up with uh, all of his uh, editorials on my webpage, the show page at cjad.com, the Rick Peterson Show. And by the way, I've just noticed, too, heading into the second week now, since her first anniversary, late last week, uh, the performance review that I've posted of uh, Pauline Marois, for your consideration, for your feedback, is the second most popular when it comes to our blogs and dialogue at cjad.com. So thank you for your comments. Keep them coming. Comments and likes? I want to hear from you. She works for us. So I I downloaded a performance review like you can on the web. Maybe you have as a boss. Maybe your manager has. You've had to sit across the table from your employer and go through such an exercise. I think she ought to as well. It's been a year. Has she accomplished anything? You let me know at cjad.com, as so many others have. Feedback, first anniversary performance review. It's right there in the blog section on our homepage at cjad.com for you to add your feedback to. And I look forward to reading it. Some of them have been very entertaining. Uh, CJAD time is 12.53. Wait till you hear this. What a school district is now requiring teachers to wear neck. As the temperature stops to uh, starts to drop. I'm with you, Rick, uh, says a texter. Can't wait for fall. Love this weather, says Alex. Alex, I'm not in that big a hurry. I just like it when it gets a little bit cooler outside and the leaves start to change. It's my favorite season. Uh, we are forever running marathons to cure cancer and millions are being shot into outer space, Maya has commented. I guess not too happy about returning to the moon again at, uh, what was it, $280 million. Uh, maybe not everybody could afford to pay for the difference for the airfare to Club Med. Uh, why not have those meetings, the Psychiatric Association of Montreal, as we were arguing uh, and debating in our uh, free-for-all discussion with Ethan and Tommy uh, just before the 1230 News update. Now, listen to this. It doesn't uh, do much for your school's reputation when you feel like you have to tell teachers to wear 
underwear. But here we are. Little Rock, Arkansas, the school district just introduced a new set of guidelines for teachers, and one of them was the teachers have to wear underwear. Another one required teachers to wear shoes. This wasn't inspired because teachers weren't wearing underwear and shoes. At least we don't think it was. The school system has a new superintendent. Dexter Suggs is his name. He says he created the guidelines to improve the, quote, culture and environment in the school system. The guidelines also banned clothing with slogans, jeans, casual tees, flip-flops, and hats. And naturally, the teachers aren't thrilled with them and aren't thrilled that the guidelines were passed without consulting the union. Uh, They won't go into effect until the next school year, so the teachers in Little Rock have the rest of this year to do some commando barefoot teaching before the hammer comes down. Thought I needed to share that with you. Suzanne Deshotel. Somehow, (laughs) I don't think teachers kind of do that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? The rule had to come in for a reason. Somebody. No, somebody just doesn't know what to do with themselves. I I just, I'm always amazed at how people just, you know, deem that type of attitude. It's just like they know everything. I mean, teachers are professionals. Yes. They don't go in there, not at the elementary and high school level, with flip flops, commando, or whatever. (laughs) You know, they're professionals. Listen to The Rick Peterson Show live weekdays, noon to one, on CJAD 800 and at CJAD.com.